Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah. Listener, we've missed you. It's Hardman to Please, episode 34. I'm Jared. I've got Ethan here. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. And today we're doing a Point Break remake double take. I was hoping that your your line for this one was going to be, Sir, I take the skin off chicken. <laughs> I had that, yeah, I had that queued up too. That was a solid my alternative, my alternative was, which I think is probably more appropriate, is speaking to the microphone, squid brain. <laughs> what part was that from? That was uh, delivered by Gary Busey when he's holding the gun to War Child. Oh, he okay. Gets uh, the uh, lawnmower fight. Great fight. Yeah, that was a good fight. So obviously today we're talking about the Point Break 1991 classic. Yes. And comparing it like we used to do back in the old horror movie days. Back in the old time. To the uh, needless 2015 remake. Uh, not to show our hand uh, too hey, early. I didn't say it was needless. Yeah, I'm not fair. saying it's needless. Maybe my hands are showing, folks. My hands are out there, my old man hands. Yeah, the little hand says it's time to rock and roll. So, the first one, uh, let's just get right into it with the cast and crew. Sure. This one was directed by Catherine Bigelow, who I had never heard of until she won the Oscar for Best Picture for The Hurt Locker. And then... Same. Big on the radar again for Zero Dark Thirty. But, I mean, she has a pretty decent um, body of work, and it's a very manly body of work. Oh, yeah. She did uh, K-19 The Widowmaker, among other things. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, Blue Steel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Undertow. Yeah, it's why I was talking about K-19 The Widowmaker recently, because someone, um, I got what they said they just saw. What was the one with Sean Connery in the boat, in the sub? I thought that was K-19. <laughs> no, 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 uh, The Hunt for Red October, which is one we should oh, do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe if sure, we're, we're going to stick on these, like, 90s uh, action movie kicks. I really think we should just, like, settle into the 90s. <laughs> There's so many that I missed. Yeah, yeah, me too. And what, I, what I remember most from K-19, The Widowmaker, was I used to watch Conan O'Brien a ton back then. And uh, he had Harrison Ford as a guest who had already kind of settled into his late career uh, attitude of just like not giving a shit <laughs> yeah angry man yeah so he kind of showed up to the show and relayed a story about how conan once didn't hold the elevator for him and he almost like walked off the set but it it was really hard to tell if he was like joking or like serious but they were talking about k19 the Widowmaker. he was just talking about how fucking stupid the movie was because they didn't do like <laughs> he was a russian general uh mm-hmm. sub admiral i don't know what the fuck you are if you man a sub i guess the captain and uh, he's like seaman i think the word seaman yeah he's a lot of russian seaman in that movie and he just did he was like making fun of it because they didn't like do it in russian they just did like russian accents right which seems like a a totally normal thing for a movie to do but uh i don't know he was just he was done He was like i'm never gonna play indiana jones again i don't have to give a shit i'm good <laughs> Little did, little did he know he would play Dan Jones again. Yeah, his career would stall out, and he would go right back to the uh, the first well. He'd play Han Solo again, for Christ's sake. Yep. 
But anyway, I mean, w- one Good job Harrison. <laughs> the one thing about uh, Bigelow is that it it had me thinking about this movie, uh, which is not I don't think a stereotypical movie for a woman to direct, but you know I don't know what would be. And I kept thinking of it in those terms, and I was like, there's no like male gaze in it directed at like Lori Petty. Um, she's there's there's no male gaze. Yeah, in terms of like, you know, you don't see her coming out of the water and like, you know, looking at her butt. Like the one time uh, Keanu Reeves is scoping her out, which is a perfect opportunity to get some like TNA, you know, just for the trailers. She's uh-huh. kind of completely covered. So it it's kind of like as yeah, 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 you can okay. imagine Michael Bay doing that same scene and it would be like. A 15 year old girl. A 15 year old girl and like a lot of tight shots on like the exact <laughs> point where the butt meets the thigh. <laughs> like the butt, the perfect the butt, butt crease, like like zoomed in right in there. Where's the is the thigh in the back? Put yeah, the thighs in the front. The thighs oh, all okay. around. That makes sense. Thighs in the middle too. <laughs> thighs on thighs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially in when you look at the friggin' remake, it's all TNA for the first ten minutes. Yeah, it's it's very much in the um the Fast and the Furious mold, which is you know every mm-hmm. you know five minutes. To make sure people don't uh, leave the theater, you got to show more, another ass. Just any ass, find a way to creatively put it in. Um, yeah, just to to make sure you know you guys can keep their jerk going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't uh, uh, slow down on that. I re- <laughs> Quick tangent. I recently was talking to someone about the podcast, and I was like, you know, I really like where where it's going. I think it's matured love. We don't talk about like dicks and wieners anymore. <laughs> oh, there we <laughs> go. Made. Yep, when I made semen jokes and anyway. yeah, we used to make a lot more of those. It's true. Um, so screenplay by W. Peter Eiliff, who uh, is a great guy to look up mm. on IMDb because he looks like the biggest fucking douchebag on the planet. <laughs> his picture on it is like him with a backwards cap with his own name on it, and then uh, smoking a cigar next to like a no oh, parking yeah, sign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just watching the Cinema Sins for uh, the original. Oh, and they pointed. They actually showed that picture. Like, <laughs> if you wonder why the screenplay is so weird, like look at this guy. Well, he also did uh, Patriot Games. He he wrote that along with Donald Stewart. Um, but uh, and Varsity Blues. That, those are the only things I recognized by him, and the only one I've seen is Patriot Games. Why is it? He's got he's got the hat with his name on it, but it's also got the NFL <laughs> crest yeah. on the front. Is there a, a really well, you're you, you're more into sports than I am? Uh, is there a really well known player? Ilif. No, and they don't make hats with players' names on them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, that's the inside baseball you only get if you know a lot about sports. Yeah, I know all the sports. Well, he probably went to like the mall and did one of those kiosks that, like, you know, will will embroider your name on something because it looks yeah. kind of like a shitty job of it too. Yeah, it looks real shitty. Um, but the important part is that he did uh, he did get embroidered on the back of the hat because this hat is only going to be worn backwards. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you don't know, if you haven't seen that picture, look up that picture right now. Yeah, check it out, folks. Uh, the cast, though, is incredible. You got Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, incredible. Gary Busey, Lori Petty, which is a treat for me. I don't think most people care. Um, and then John C. McGinley, who... It's a treat for me. I didn't even know the guy's name other than Dr. Cox until like earlier this year on this podcast. Yeah. Frankie was talking about the... Uh, the Belko pod- experiment. The Belko, yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah, Steve Belko uh, experiment. But uh, he fucking rules. He's the best. 
all-time great yeller, I think. He he uh is he you know the thing is it's fun to watch this and see from this to uh scrubs how much he upped his game in uh dressing people down. <laughs> yeah. He got surgical. Yeah, he got, you know, because, you know, when he injected a lot more humor with it, it actually became more threatening on Scrubs. Mm -hmm. But he does play a great, um, like, you know, the ball-busting chief. It's like such a yeah. such a cliche role, but he really swings for the fences on it. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to do it this way. It's, you got to get a guy like him to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's part of what makes this uh, movie charming is that I feel like everyone did give it their all. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe one, maybe one notable. Uh, you know what? While watching this, I realized that Keanu Reeves, um, he made a great career decision by getting older because he's so <laughs> okay. much easier to take on as like an old guy with no energy compared to a young guy with like attempting to have energy <laughs> yeah yeah energy i don't know why he, he doesn't have it but it was funny because i i had not seen the movie so coming into it i was kind of expecting maybe keanu would work well in this role because he has to be a surfer or pretend yeah, to be a surfer uh, the surfing fbi agent it's like all right yeah you know if like, you take okay. speed plus bill and ted it's like all right there you go yeah but uh no he really doesn't help himself in this movie. Well, it's really bizarre because um, you'd think that the whole like plot of the movie would be kind of like in the the you know almost like a triple X situation or kind of like the second the remake where the guy came into the job with a certain set of like extreme sports skills. You know, he was a surfer, so they're like, "We are assigning you to infiltrate this gang," but yeah. um, none of that is in place. So it's very bizarre that Keanu shows up as a guy who's never surfed and yet still speaks as if he's surfed his entire life. <laughs> but also he's a football player. So I thought maybe he was making the choice to uh, portray a, a man with intense brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it'd be funny because, um, I mean, isn't that what people thought about uh, Sylvester Stallone when he first did Rocky? They're like, wow, what an amazing performance. This is like the, the Brando <laughs> of his generation. And they're like, oh, no, he just kind of talks like that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. I don't. So who who would be better in that role, though? In 91. Oof. I mean, the thing is, like. Certainly Bill Paxton. <laughs> I mean, you need you need a young heart throb. You don't mind taking his top off. Um, you want Patrick Swayze, I guess, in both roles. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Patrick Swayze though he does kill it. Kills it. And I think you know it's funny because um I think what I liked most about this movie I mean it is I mean it's not a great film but it is a great movie. Um, it is something yeah. that is great Good to watch and kind of, yeah, it sticks with you and it's got, um, it's got three pretty decent relationships. I mean, the least one is between, uh, Johnny Utah, Keanu Reeves and Tyler, the girl, Lord um, Patty. but then he has a really good relationship with Gary Busey as Angela Pappas, mm -hmm. uh, his partner. Mm -hmm. And then he has a great relationship with Bodie, 
with Patrick yeah. Swayze. Beyond that, though, what I really like about the movie is that uh, Patrick Swayze charms the fuck out of you as a viewer to the extent that you really are in the same position as Keanu Reeves, you know, at the point yeah. where Keanu does his famous, he loves Patrick Swayze too much to shoot him and he points his gun in the air and goes, ah, <laughs> I had written actually, and I don't even remember which, um, which, uh, scene it was from, but I was just like, Bodie is so awesome is my note. And then the very next note is actually he's a total fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> because that must have been after the turn where he, you know, reveals that he's kidnapped Lori Petty and he, you know, yeah. she's going to be killed under his orders. If And it's like, wow, this guy is really like a Manson level, uh, like charisma mm-hmm. cult leader. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it really makes the movie so much more interesting. Yeah. And I, I really like that out of a villain too, someone with some kind of like moral high ground. And he is, I mean, he's almost like a cult leader in this movie. And his whole, uh, whole motive is, you know, sticking it to the man while getting his rocks off. And like, that's just a nice combo. And then, I mean, he's supposed to be kind of a, as pacifist as you could be as a bank robber. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he doesn't want to hurt anyone. He doesn't, he doesn't actually kidnap the girl himself. I mean, even though he orders it to happen, he's, in it, you can see his, you can see like in his head how he's justifying it all. Yeah, yeah, you really... can see that it's almost not that it's not a crime, but it's you know he doesn't see the gravity of it. Yeah, which they, I mean, and I think later in the movie, they Keanu says that, well, he's kind of he's got starting to realize how Bodie operates. He's like, it's not you know, it's not a yeah. I can't remember what he says, but something to that extent, like. You know, he doesn't think he's committing the crime here. And you believe it because Swayze yeah. so friggin' charismatic and believable. He's super charismatic and then it's like such a weird – I mean you feel kind of violated for having trusted and enjoyed him as a character when then you realize that his um, kind of a zen attitude towards life is really just a projection of like total sociopathy and that he yeah utterly doesn't care really if his best friends or brother uh, die – on a whim. Yeah, which was actually something I feel like they maybe didn't get as good in the original. Um, you know, if he's supposed to be kind of a throw caution to the wind, kind of the everything zen, like when you die, it's as long as you die doing what you love, it's, you know, for a greater purpose. Um, it, like both movies kind of got it wrong because I think in the first one he was maybe <laughs> like too emotionally attached to his other guys, but then the in the remake, I mean, we'll get to it, but, like, no one gave a shit when anyone died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say he was too, I feel like he had, I mean, he showed emotion, so he wasn't like a blank slate, but he obviously didn't take responsibility, so I guess that's, and, and that's kind of why it seems so creepy, because it, it obviously, you know, when his brother got shot in the bank heist, and then he immediately, you know, retributively shoots the cop. Um, mm-hmm. he definitely was like angry at that point, and he seems like he gets angry at certain points, but that he kind of just doesn't want to take responsibility for the fact that he's dragged all these guys into this with him. Yeah, and that in a way, I mean, it, it kind of just shows that he's full of shit because it's not like he's. I mean, he's really just trying to avoid having a job and you know doing whatever he wants at any given moment, 
but he's kind of making it out to be more of a statement than it really is. True. And at the end, I don't think it really is a statement. It, I think it is just show that he was just, you know, used people. Yeah, but even Keanu uses people too. That's his Ooh. connection. Mm. Yeah, there you go. He used Lori, which I found confusing. <laughs> I thought confusing. the first, the movie gets off to a rocky start, would you say? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely ramps up. It gets better. But the beginning, yeah. you know, I had my thoughts about the original. And then after watching the remake, everything in the original looks a million times better. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will say the beginning of the it's like, original. Oh, it's like a real movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like a <laughs> like a well thought out movie because the beginning sets up a lot much better. <laughs> there's like the some kind of like a plot running through it. <laughs> yeah, there's like actually uh, character development and like stakes yeah, and timelines. Yeah, motivation. <laughs> yeah. It's all set up in the first like five freaking minutes. Yeah, it's not like you could just take every scene of the movie and just rearrange the order of them, <laughs> and it would make exactly as much sense. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, what were you what were you pointing to when you when you're thinking as there was a rocky start? Uh, well, I thought it was it was weird that he, like for one thing, uh, Gary Busey's talking about the ex presidents, um, this bank robber gang, and he's been on the case, and he's kind of you know he's kind of burnt out on it, and yeah. he says they're ghosts. There's no point in even chasing them, and then like Keanu Reeves is like, but what if you're angry? And he's like, <laughs> okay, well, I think they're surfers. It's like, okay, well. Did you follow up on that? Like, it seemed like he didn't at all. Like, he just had this, like, pet theory. Yeah. Well, that's what he even called it. He's like, I have, you know, I have a theory about it all. But it's yeah, like, well, not that, that, that's, that's it's not, not a, a wild deal, theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you could have easily brought that to your superiors and, like, probably got, uh, you know, approval to look into it. Yeah. Which they do. Um, well, it's not so much that, but then, like, I thought it was weird that he, like Keanu tries to go surfing, he sucks ass at it. Lori Petty pulls him out, and he's just kind of really attached to this person instead of just taking like surfing lessons. Um, well, she saves his life. I know, but it, what I'm saying is it. And then he, it's weird that he meets Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze through Lori Petty before even doing the tr the trick, uh, testing the hair to see what beach he can find Bodie at, or find these criminals at. Yeah. So. I think that's because they're setting it up that, um, you know, the Anthony Kiedis uh, <laughs> gang are the guys for the that twist. Divers. Yeah, which is a good. It's a good twist, I think. Yeah. Um But it it is a little weird. It's like, oh, they met him already. That's odd. Yeah, it is a little weird. I mean, did you already know Swayze was the bad guy just from like? Oh, had you seen the movie before? No, but I'd seen Hot Fuzz. So right. So that that was so, me too. Like from the cultural references, I knew it already. But I was wondering maybe if I hadn't known that, if it would have been a surprise. Um, that and the fact that uh, fa the Fast and the Furious was was known as a, a you know a, essentially Point Break remake, but with cars instead of surfing. Um, so it kind of, which when I saw that movie, that surprised me. I was surprised that the the guy uh, Vin Diesel was actually the criminal, and then. I mean, like I've like we said on previous podcasts, I'm really easy to surprise. So I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that if I saw this movie, you know, completely nude, I would, Whoa. I would have uh, not a seen man. it coming. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it it did enough that even uh, like even though I knew that Swayze was the bad guy, like even I I kind of was thrown off enough by that 
Chili Peppers gang. Maybe <laughs> yeah. these guys are involved too. I don't know. And you want them to get hit because they're such assholes. Yeah. Again, like just a good, solid, you know, thought out plot point in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I appreciate that they're trying to at least, you know, give it a twist. Even though it kind of seems like the, the movie itself didn't really respect it as a twist as much as they could have. Well, it's interesting that they never really let it. It comes upon you like, like if you didn't know it was coming. I mean, he suspects he goes to the beach and he kind of has a realization that he thinks that it's them. And I think at that point as a movie goer, you kind of are with Keanu and you think he's right. So I guess that's the reveal, but it's not, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not handled like a huge twist. It's more of a twist for the character than, you know, for the movie. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's all, that's different than what you'd expect, at least. I don't know, maybe in a modern movie or not, but I feel like you'd expect it more to be like a, a scene of him taking off the mask. You know, like well, in the, in the concrete river, maybe he takes off the mask and it's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think it was played well, though. I think it it had, like you said, a really good ramping up of action where by the end, when Keanu jumps out of the plane without a parachute, I was legitimately like, oh, shit, they're kicking it up a notch. Yeah. Um, And I don't know, you know, where you can go from there. And I think at the end, you know, even though it's just a more of a, a Saturday afternoon uh, sizzler of a movie, um, <laughs> you know, the, the ending really bothered me. It really annoyed me that uh, Keanu let him go. And I, you know... I felt like he should not have, and he should have said, well, guess what, fuckhead, if you uh, end up murdering people for money, you don't get to ride the wave at the end, you fucking baby. I I was really hoping that he would have stayed handcuffed to Patrick Swayze and they rode the wave together. <laughs> I thought See, that, that would have been a good ending. Well, maybe uh, maybe that's a good um, a good uh, segue to the remake, because that's, that's one way they could have improved the remake, if they had <laughs> done that ending. Yeah. There's many things I could have done to improve the remake. Okay, so, so the uh, remake uh, was by director Erickson Core, which sounds like a fake name. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, he was a really, a really long time director of photography on a lot of films, mm-hmm. and then he did uh, Invincible, the New Kids on the Block movie. Um, <laughs> I don't even get that reference. <laughs> from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. And he says, we're doing these tryouts because of your harassment and your love for the new kids on the block movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, he was also a music video director. I couldn't tell. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's how he started his career. And yeah, it's pretty clear when you watch yeah. this movie. So he comes from that world. And then um, the screenplay is by uh, Kurt Wimmer, who... Have you ever seen um, Equilibrium? Yes, I have, actually. Equilibrium, uh, not a good movie, but a fun movie. Mm -hmm. Um, That was one of those movies I was just like, I was home, my wife, I don't know where she was, she was out of town or something, and I was like, what's a movie that I know she'll never want to (laughs) watch, I kind of want to check out? So I watched this movie starring Christian Bale and Tay Diggs. (laughs) (laughs) Tay Diggs, yeah. Uh, it's Sean Bean in it, solid. Uh, the contractual uh, Sean Bean death in the movie. Uh, it's just like 1984 and The Matrix and Gun Kata, which is like one of the most perfectly stupid yet 
kind of cool it's like the uh, perfect, elements in any film. Yeah, it's like the perfect uh, movie thing, I guess. Yeah, it, it is so the, the, one of the most movie things ever done. Yeah. Gun martial arts. So he actually, uh, I mean, he's he seems like kind of a hack who kind of is brought in to do these things. It seems like Equilibrium was like his labor of love. And then... Um, he tried to improve I, I, from what I'd read like a long time ago, that gun kata business. Um, he tried to improve on it in ultraviolet that, uh, one with who's the woman from the, the resident evil movies, Mila Jovovich. Mila, yeah, sure. Which apparently was, a, I don't know, not a well-reviewed movie. Um, and I think I want to say his highest rated movie that he wrote was either salt, which was the recent, Angelina Jolie is an assassin, or uh, the Thomas Crown Affair is a remake of a, yeah. I think an old Michael Caine movie, uh, or maybe Steve McQueen, uh, one of those old cool guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good cooler dudes. But uh, a lot of just kind of, I don't know. It's, it seems like kind of a, I mean, not a hack writer in that he's bad, although yeah, you came out yeah. hot. Yeah, but I mean, a hack writer that like like he's like they bring him in to do the job, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, we need a, a total recall doing. remake. Yeah. All right. I can crack it out. I can get that done. Yeah. Um, he's a remake guy. Yeah. So he did this one. He did the Total Recall remake. Um, and I feel like maybe he was the right guy for this movie because the it seemed to me that the you know the ethos behind this movie was we're going to string together a lot of really gorgeous set pieces of extreme sports. We've got the right director for it, and we just need a guy who can write something that technically makes it a movie. You know, <laughs> yeah, it technically makes something happen between you know these scenes. We just need to fill in these scenes because the scenes themselves, you know, the guys go jumping and they do the hang gliding, and they go hang gliding through you know uh, off a mountain and in between this canyon, and they then go- they're done hang gliding. Well, they go and, they go wingsuit flying. It's not hang gliding, you dork. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of sugar gliders because that's what they look like. It's like <laughs> yeah, you know, flying, flying squirrels. squirrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really dopey looking outfits, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. For how cool it looks, but I mean, honestly, the the that scene could have been a sentence in the script. True. It was just the boys jump off the cliff. <laughs> Dumb <and> boys. <laughs> the young boys. Jump off the cliff and then they just glide suit down to the bottom of it and like nothing happens. There's no like point where uh oh the guy's got a tear in his suit and oh no yeah. or he almost hits a thing or like nothing happens. No- nothing changes there's... from the top of it to the bottom. Yeah, there's your tagline for this whole remake. <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, and they do this. Nothing happens. They do this. Nothing happens. Yeah, you could basically. I mean, you know, when he's chasing um, Bodhi up the Angel Falls cliff he like starts chasing him he just starts climbing the cliff and like you could just skip just cut it and then he's at the top of the cliff and he meets him up there because it's not like he kicks rocks down at him or you know they're shouting at each other and you know or he he actually he almost falls and Bodhi actually helps him you know nothing Nothing. literally happens you're just just... waiting for the scene to end yeah I mean that's what I I found myself in all these scenes being like like checking the watch like what is happening like why like again, that's just another thing that's not. It's like not a good movie because it's like you shouldn't just have these scenes that are just like 
action porn without any like stakes or motivation or anything. Yeah. I mean, a good, you know, the funny thing is a good example is in the movie itself. I said, oh shit, or something. Or I said, what? (laughs) Um, Like in the first two minutes of the movie, because there's this guy and his friend, and they, you know, speak nothing but exposition. Like, oh, well, our uh, our sponsors won't give us more YouTube hits (laughs) if we don't do this thing. That's what, you know, we do. Yeah, I'm Johnny Utah. I do this stuff. Yeah, this is my job, and you're my friend. And but anyway, they, <laughs> you know, they start. We've been friends for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> you're like a father to me. <laughs> Hope and, I don't uh, die. They... <laughs> yeah, love to be alive, dude. Yeah, me too. So they 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 dirt bike down this like spine, I guess they call it, which is like the top of a hill that's really yeah. narrow. For like, and then he does minutes. this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I again, but it's just like, put... what is happening, like? I've, yeah. Okay. You start so, off well, the movie true. with that, like. Okay. You could sorry, start off the movie thought. with that. Finish it. But thought. you would do uh, just put the credits over it, and then it's acceptable. It's like okay, true. We're in the credits. But uh, then the guy does that huge jump onto like this really tiny little like outcropped mesa, and it's like oh fuck. And then the other guy does the same thing, and he falls. And it's like all right, well we like we paid for that. You know, we paid for this the fact that we're doing this because we got a plot thing out of it. Yeah, but God, I was so fucking stupid. I, I was like, <laughs> I was laughing because it like. No, it wasn't good, but I mean, it was technically like it something that could be in a movie, not like why am I watching but, a bunch of disconnected well, videos? Yeah, but just the their opening scene though, it's just it's like emblematic of the whole movie. It's like a five minute like jerk off sh- like helicopter shot of an action sport. Yeah, and then super like, saturated. Yeah, super saturated, just constant rotating helicopter shot. <laughs> yeah. And then a guy dies, but it doesn't really affect the plot. But you think uh, it does, but not really. It's like, okay, yeah. this is the guy's motivation, but like, did you have to have 10 minutes of them riding dirt bikes just to say his well, body died? It didn't even really affect anything. Yeah, because, I mean, the one thing that you can say about the original is that um, Keanu Reeves goes through a kind of a change. You could tell that learning to surf uh, really affects him, and he becomes kind of a different person throughout it, and he maybe changes what he thinks is important about life. Yeah. Um, whereas this guy has, you know, a trauma, um, and it doesn't really seem like he ever gets, you know, it, he he isn't affected what? by any of these fucking things he's doing, for one thing. No. But anyway, to bring your point, like the fact that the guy died... Because the same thing happens later in the movie, but let me draw this to the cast because <laughs> also they're... he needlessly died. By the way, he's on the bike and he misses the jump and he goes too fast, and then they're like holding onto the bike and he's like, "Give it some gas." And the whole time I'm like, "Just get off the fucking bike!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just grab my arm, let the bike fall. God, yeah. Sorry. But um, later in the movie they're doing um, they're doing snowboarding down a mountain. <laughs> And so Johnny Utah now has like fully like he's he's like high on his own supply as like I'm a complete fucking moron in terms of extreme sports, too. I take no (laughs) safety precautions whatsoever. Yeah, I choose the one side of the mountain because it's beautiful. It would be beautiful to go down it. I don't know why going down the other side of a fucking tallest mountain in the Alps (sighs) would not be beautiful. But yeah, and and that was just um, like such a weird like waste of a line it's like give me a reason why he's going down there it's like oh it's deadly that makes it perfect it's like what like you can extrapolate on that and like 
probably yeah. get a good line out of here, but no. Well, okay, so the result of that scene actually has a result where one of the guys dies. Then one of the guys goes off the cliff, and I really thought they would have like had parachutes because of the high likelihood that they would fall <laughs> off an extreme high height. But anyway, uh, he goes off the cliff and he dies. Uh, I have no idea who died. Me neither. I didn't even think they knew who he was. <laughs> because no I could have sworn the guy that I thought I thought the guy who died was the really roundheaded. Yeah, me too. Group. But then he shows up. <laughs> he shows up later. I I no, I still have no idea who that was. So Maybe he wasn't even with them. Let's go through the cast though. So replacing Keanu Reeves is somehow the even more bland Luke Bracy. <laughs> um, replacing Patrick name. Swayze is Edgar Ramirez. Who plays them kind of almost like a Dollar Shave Club hipster? <laughs> well, they—they're all Dollar Shave Club hipsters. Or not a Dollar Shave. He's, he's more like the Dollar Beard Club, I guess. He's got like a big hipster beard. Um, and like the yeah, the big hipster haircut too. And the big undercut. problem is uh, Ray Winston, who is awesome. Uh, he uh, takes yeah. Gary Busey's role as Papa's, but they do nothing with him. Um, and in fact, I'll say this much: I saw the movie two days ago. I can't remember if he died like Papas did in the original movie. I saw the movie ten minutes ago. I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. No, he doesn't, right? I don't think so. I think because he, he just kind of drifts in and out of the movie. Yeah, he's, he's just, just like there, and then for like a half an hour, he's not in the film, and then he's kind of back in to be like, "Hey, so uh, I'm on the case again." And he, he, it's it's almost like one of those characters that's in a movie. Where you think maybe only the lead character can see that person? Because <laughs> I don't know if he reacts, interacts with anyone else. Uh, he's uh, and he's almost like he's almost like Cosgrove in the old Freakazoid cartoons, where he just kind of like shows up <laughs> to deliver a like a line of exposition, and then yeah. he's not needed. And then Delroy Lindo, who I love, um, he's such a cool. He's always plays the cop boss, but he's always a cool cop boss. Yeah, yeah he's pretty good. Um, I mean, yeah, he's no he's, McGinley. He's no McGinley, and he plays it kind of a completely different way. He ha- Like, he's not busting balls at all. He's just kind of like, you really disappointed me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's actually, like, he's kind of like Pappas in this movie, because he's the one that, like, thinks Utah knows what he's talking about and, like, goes with him. And yeah, then they, they do kind of reverse it a bit. Yeah, Winston's almost like uh, McGinley, where he's, like, kind of the one busting his balls. Yeah. But neither one is really given much room to breathe. Yeah. So, um, and then there's Teresa Palmer from uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, really? Yeah, she was the, the nurse wife. Wow. I didn't realize that. And she plays a girl. <laughs> yeah, I could film. not. I don't even know they gave her a name. <laughs> uh, she was another character who she joins the movie. She's just in a swimsuit, and they swim together, and it seems like they're going to fuck, because they are like have a lot of, you know, not good chemistry or tension, but there's or deserved some chemistry. expectation. It, you know, it's kind of like the scene in Bambi, where Bambi meets a girl deer, and then you're like, all right, I guess they're in love now, because they're like, you know, he's chasing her. And they're like compatible species. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is like, oh, he's a hot guy, she's a hot girl, so they should just bang. Yeah, um... And they seem like they're on the same wavelength, and it's a party, and everyone's, you know, getting drunk and wasted, and, you know, maybe they're going to fuck in the ocean. But they don't, and then she's just gone for, like, an hour of the film. Yeah. And she just shows up again, and they have a scene with much less chemistry and no tension, no sexual tension whatsoever, and then they bang. Like, 
I actually, yeah, I've started fast forwarding that scene. <laughs> Cause I was, cause she walks in the room. It's like, okay, this is just, you know, exactly what's happening here. They're going to swap stories or something. And then they're going to bang. Yeah. It's like, and nothing's going to come out of it. Cause like, no. we already knew that he wanted to bang her and like, she's probably going to die. And then he's going to be butthurt about it. Even though it's like they knew each other for all five minutes. Yeah. He knows nothing about her. Um, and she knows, and none of them know anything about each other. I mean, it's such a, <laughs> it's it's so simple, but it's so satisfying to see Gary Busey hating Keanu Reeves when they start the movie, and then they become really close, and it's just enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and like like I was saying earlier, watching the remake makes the original look incredible because in the original, like the Lori Petty Keanu Reeves relationship is kind of equally weird and like unearned how much they care about each other. Yeah, a little bit. But compared to friggin' the remake. <laughs> or like I don't even think they exchange names no they do because he asks her what her name means for no reason like she says her name's like Sarasala or something and he's like what's that mean and she's like it means wanderer and nah. he's like can wanderers have a destination or something can they burn yeah it's like what does that mean for one thing uh, I mean alright so Oof. one thing about Kurt Wimmer is I mean the dialogue is so one note and it's so all poopy. yeah it's it's almost like it's like so not quite like you know philosophy student talk but it, it's very like airy and you don't get a sense of what these guys are really all about yeah it's so hollow it it does yeah, yeah. like you're saying it kind of is almost like what you'd expect like a college student to say like oh that sounds really deep but like when you think about it it means absolutely nothing and that's part of my entire problem with this whole movie. It's and my problem with a lot of remakes in at least recently, like they're taking something in point break, which is like pretty, I mean, it's a pretty silly concept. It's like surfing bank robbers. Yeah. And they're like trying to make it like really serious and like really <laughs> gritty, yeah. but then without actually putting in any of the work or, like ground you know ground rules and structure that would make that work they're just like yeah let's make it serious and then they write this kind of hollow you know jerking off dialogue it does nothing yeah what i really hated about the movie was that it seemed to have kind of an entourage feel to it where there was kind of a palpable sense of like the way that this new Bodhi and his uh crew of cloned bearded white guys um, the way they live is really like the ideal like MTV Cribs lifestyle, and mm -hmm. it's like that kind of like competitive partying. So <laughs> we're gonna party on this wild yacht that has like you know a surf a skateboard ramp. ramp off the end, yeah, <laughs> skateboard ramp. God, that's and so you know we're gonna party in this weird dome in the middle of the mountains, and it's just this very bizarre i mean it's just this weird here's steve sense. aoki and here's eric costin here's, here's a heineken bottle in your face yeah because they go movie. from the guy they go from the guy's funeral to a heineken party <laughs> like immediately <laughs> that was when like <laughs> any like shred of like in this movie was like completely gone at that point no, for me, the point that point was when um he he comes off of the cruise party. Way Winston's like, I got a nice piece of ass, eh, but we got no leads. And he's like, No, Ray Winston, I heard there was something happening in Paris, so I got to be there. 
And it's like, you heard something was happening <laughs> in the city of Paris, France. And you're just going to go to Paris and, like, walk around Paris <laughs> that... until you find the thing that's happening. And the thing that's happening is they're just punching each other in, like, a car garage. Yeah, like a way underground thing that how do you, how he found it. Did, yeah, I don't know how he found it. And that, then that's just he just shows up and they're like, yeah, we're just doing a fight club now because that's how we live also. And damn. oh, you seem like, a, I mean, god damn it! <laughs> this movie is yeah, it's exacerbating to talk about or even like think about because it's all over the place. There's nothing to like hold on to, and it has no. The one thing that the original does really well also. <laughs> The, the original has a really good sense of place. You're yeah. You're at a beach community in California, and like that's it. Right and down I mean, to the good ass uh, meatball sandwiches at the place, you know, around the corner yeah. from the bank. You get a sense that these guys know the area. Mm-hmm. They, you know, yeah, exactly. You get a sense that they're traveling, you know, at a normal rate that humans can travel around the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the the remake, it's it's you know the other problem with trying to do a remake is like they're trying to ramp it all up you know it's like let's let's take it to another yeah. level so like this let's is just definitely have... like a post like furious seven version yeah. of point break yeah so <laughs> i think the the actual point that this movie lost me was the very beginning <laughs> <laughs> when they're they're talking about these guys and they're like they're, i can't remember exactly the wording but it's like they're in they're in mumbai stealing diamonds and then dropping them from uh, parachutes and probably killing all the villagers below them. <laughs> and then they're in Mexico stealing money. And then they're base jumping off the peak of Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are the most extreme, extreme gamers in the world. It's like, you know how long it takes to get to the peak of Mount Everest? <laughs> Well, that's the. Jesus I mean, that's Christ. the weird thing about it is, uh, they do. I mean, that's the. Uh, to me, that seems like a very Kurt Wimmer kind of uh, addition is that Ozaki Eight. So there's this mystical or mythical eight, um, almost like a Scooby Doo riddle of like eight <laughs> different things around the world that you have to do that are like the most extreme version of that thing. And the thing that was funny as hell to me is that um, he's r- r- like you know rattling off what they all are. And it's like, all right, well, this one is, you know, you climb these, you know, you do this, you do this, you jump off, you know, you do mm-hmm. a, an air to ground skydive and then parachute inside a vertical cave. And then one of them is like, no one knows what the eighth one is. <laughs> and then uh, when he like just, you know, dives off Angel Falls, um, he's like, he figured out the eighth ordeal. It was trust or whatever. And it's like, you fucking nerd. Like, wh- you just, you're making this up. You're coming up with something that fits. You're not figuring. <laughs> also, wait, is that really what he said, though? It's trust? Yeah, it was something. I don't like remember faith. what the name of the eighth one. It was some kind of faith yeah, thing. Because, like, definitely every single thing they were doing required faith <laughs> and trust. Yeah. And beyond that, I mean, they're all, like, I mean, you would die doing that. And you die doing everything you, they do. You would die doing almost all of these. And this guy joins them. I mean, there's one thing that was kind of not cute about the original, but it was interesting that Keanu Reeves was a really junior surfer. Mm-hmm. And so for him, just surfing at night on a, like a, you know, <laughs> 10 foot wave was like a really big rush. Yeah. Yeah. That's Whereas he's this like, one, I'm a fucking surfer or something. Yeah. And it was like, oh, he's having, his character's changing. Whereas this guy is a former dirt biker 
And he's, he's a like poly polyathlete, I think he said. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's, he's a polyathlete, and um, he's just like, oh shit, I was too late to stop the guy from climbing Angel Falls. Wish I'd brought a gun. Oh well, I guess I'll just barehanded climb this thing, <laughs> and not like just like, get a helicopter and wait for him at the top. Yeah, or I or mean, shoot him. I don't, see that's or, the or bring or, your own climbing equipment. Why do you have to do a barehanded? Well, he. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. He did bring climbing equipment. I don't know, dude. So, yeah, at the end, I mean, it's just like basically they're superheroes and they're doing this stuff not because like. It's uh, very much a a post Fast and Furious world. But yeah, yeah. Fast and Furious. But without the the charm. I mean, Fast and Furious really has a lot of charm with its its incredibly stupid um, set pieces. They play them up for maximum fun. Yeah, fun. Whereas these were played all with like a dun 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 you know like oh shit is he gonna catch him climbing up this cliff is he gonna fall oh no I mean it's just very played very straight you know what this movie needed oh shit well hold on I gotta look his name up well need a comic relief needed Dwayne the Rock Johnson yeah could always use Dwayne the Rock Johnson but I mean if he was the lead Bodie I would buy that Dwayne the Rock Johnson like all right yeah it's like yeah I'd jump off a mountain after that guy. Why not? Yeah, and I mean, the it's not even really the the music or the set pieces. It's just that the entire movie, no one smiles. I don't really remember anyone smiling, other than when they finish the squirrel jump. Yeah. Like, everyone's always scowling, and that's just a thing that I feel like movies think they have to do to make it, like, serious. Well, that, that's what I'm talking about with the, I mean, which in Entourage they smile a lot, but where it's almost like <laughs> these guys, like, this is just their life, and they're like, they take it so super seriously, they don't even enjoy it. They're too cool. Bodhi is too cool to even enjoy the parties he's at. He's like yeah. scowling in the corner, thinking of the next way he's gonna, you know, save the earth, and it's like, well, why are you even at this party? <laughs> yeah, since your, your friend just friggin' died, why are you partying <laughs> with Steve Aoki? I mean, Why yeah, is this guy paying you to do any of these things? You're not even filming them. <laughs> like none of these things you're doing are being filmed. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that guy. But yeah, I mean, going back to Swayze, Swayze's like a jovial, friendly guy the whole time, and that yeah, that he... was the other problem with this movie. Like right off the bat, these guys are assholes. It's like, <laughs> they really why are. do I want Johnny Utah to like be their buddy? And why does and she... it's also it's like why would you want Johnny Utah in your group if like Swayze. There's a very clear distinction for him. He's he robs banks and he surfs, and the, you know he robs mm-hmm. banks so he doesn't have to have a job. Whereas these guys are doing these all these eight things, which seems like the whole point of your life. The guy said you can train your life just to do one of them, and right. they're like, "Oh, do you want to do these things with us, random guy who can't even surf?" <laughs> and for Christ's sake, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and then well. And then they just like, hey, by the way, we're not going to see if you're cool with this, but uh, we want to blow up a mountain to like bury some gold trucks. Um, and you'd think that, I mean, I did like that they knew that he was an FBI agent because for one thing, I mean, they had to know. Right. Like they said, when he showed up in France, I knew you were a cop. It's like, well, yes, thank you for giving me that. <laughs> but I did like that he was like, well, I thought we could change your mind because – when I watched the original Point Break, that's what I was thinking was happening when they were skydiving with Keanu Reeves at the end. So I thought they were like, well, he hesitated to shoot me when I was robbing the bank. Now mm-hmm. he knows we're the bank robbers. But maybe if we show him, hey, you know what? We're above all that. Maybe he'll just kind of let us go because he can. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and you, yeah, you can see kind of how Bodhi could. I mean, the original Bodhi, yeah, you could just kind of see how he is taking in Keanu, and it's like a building, budding relationship. They get into a fight together. That's great. Yeah, that's a great way for them to to meet too, because it does it does make it more plausible that they like care about each other. Mm-hmm. They meet with the girl, and then he saves him from a fight. And it's like, oh, okay, this guy's a new surfer. I'm an awesome they, surfer. I'll take him under my wing. We play football. Yeah, and they play football. Cool. Yeah, like, in the new one, they just jump straight to extremeness. And there's, like, no normal people interaction. And every every conversation they have is with, like, the seriousness of, like, a priest, <laughs> you know, telling you, like, like doing a confessional. It's just like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> the the only what what's the point of living if you can't feel alive, Johnny Utah? Yeah, it's like wow, that's deep. That's like a MySpace quote. <laughs> yeah, man, and quotes. This movie had no good quotes. What was... Oh, did you mention any of the good quotes from the first one? Um, no, not really. But God, it was full of them. It so really I, was. I said the other, you know the little hand says it's time to rock and rolls. <laughs> Yeah, and that's just a you know, great '90s action. It it just fits the genre so well. Yeah. And then, um, you, I don't know if did you say it where uh, Keanu, another good like introduction line. Keanu's talking to McGinley, and McGinley's like grilling him to make sure he's you know straight laced enough to do it, do the job. Yeah. And uh, Keanu's like, "I take the skin off my chicken, sir." Yeah, and, and that's he's not great. It's kind of a fun fuck you to the boss. Yeah, his first day. <laughs> and um, then uh, I mean, Gainley's... both of both of uh, Busey's when I was doing this when you were X uh, <laughs> rants were perfect. Yeah, I love how he's got two of them. Was was the first one you're you know shitting in your diaper and rubbing it on your face? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, was, I was taking shrapnel and caisson when you were still like shitting in your hand and wiping it on your face. Yeah, and you got the other line. Busey's looking at L.A. and he's like. It's changed a lot, man. I remember when you know, the air got dirty and the sex got clean. <laughs> really, just, these are great script lines that you would like, you'd want out of a movie. Even yeah. uh, Lori Petty's got a great one. She's talking about uh, Bodie when they're first introduced in the character. She says he's a modern savage, a real searcher. Yeah, how great is that? I know everything I want to know about that guy in that one line. Yeah, and and you can believe that she would deliver it too. Yeah, I mean, and she, yeah, she delivers it. Believe she, I, I do. I really did like, and I wondered if some of it, you know, I couldn't get off the idea that it was Catherine Bigelow, and I was like, oh, it's a lady director, <laughs> um, and I felt like Lori Petty um, injected something I was missing in the second movie. She has a real disdain for the machismo of all the surfers. Yeah, she's just like and, above it all. She's like, these yeah, guys well, are I mean, idiot she's, assholes. Yeah, she's fucked Swayze, and she's kind of seen through him, and she's kind of over him, and he's fine, but, you know, she's not, in, you know, in his thrall anymore. The new one, the girl is, she reminded me of, a, like, Azazel from that It's Always Sunny uh, bit with the uh, the hippies who Dennis infiltrates. I mean, she's just, like, so completely flighty, and, like, <laughs> she basically worships uh, Bodhi in that movie. And but, it's, I mean, does she even? She's just kind of like there. I didn't even really know that she was friends with Bodhi until she shows up <laughs> at that cabin house for the weird dinner they have. Yeah, that was a weird scene. I didn't get what the point of that. Yeah, but she, I mean, every, every one the... of her lines really is about um, how, like, 
oh, uh, like mystical Bodhi is and how this, you know, oh, you got to live life like a fucking, uh, you're high all the time. <laughs> yeah, and also, they didn't even really need to in the original, but they show Lori Petty being like, you know, a badass surfer. Yeah. In this one, they show the the girl being a badass surfer, and it it actually kind of makes more sense later on when it's revealed that she's actually in the the heist group. Yeah, but I I, I wondered earlier why she wasn't in like allowed to do the cool parts. Yeah, it seemed kind of like a throw in, <laughs> like ooh, we just yeah. want to throw a you know a random wrench at you at the end, but it's like yeah. not earned at all. And I also called it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I swear to God, if. Because whenever they do, whenever a movie has a character wear like a mask or a helmet for too long, you can kind of suspect it's supposed to be someone you're not supposed to expect. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. God um, damn it, I didn't get it though. There. Again, I'm I'm too dumb. You're dumb. Yeah. You're very dumb. I mean, that whole scene was so stupid. They just like, he's like, I mean, for one thing, the way the script is written, it's it's so annoying. It's worse than like exposition because it's not only exposition where the guy will will flat out say it, but it's. <laughs> There, the the fact that he says it is why it happens. So, for instance, they're trying to figure out what bank these guys are going to rob. They could rob any bank. Uh, for one thing, he says, stupidly, he's like, they don't see themselves as common criminals. But if you treat them like common criminals, they'll act like criminals. Like, <laughs> what? Like, so we're, yeah, so, like, we're not supposed to cut Who? off their money supply. And But then that happens. The very next thing that happens is they rob a bank with guns like common criminals. Um and then they're looking for the bank that they're going to rob. And he's like, oh, this one at the top of the mountain? Why would they do that? It's got, you know, choke points on either end. He's like, that's what he wants is choke points. I'm like, well, why? Like, yeah. that's not a reason. That makes it. Why would he. I know. I was waiting he gets for his thrills off of this, that. too. Like, that doesn't make sense. And then they, they rob the bank. And there's no, like, clever way of getting out. They just jump out of the bank with guns and shoot everybody. And then, like, run around their cars to get out. Also. <laughs> <laughs> they, and another thing so much of this movie like gets in its own way like they specifically say it it's a choke point so it's like okay the cops should have the advantage but then the yeah. cops are like fucking bumbling assholes and only sit at the front door and don't like take away the one obvious exit that they run out was of. did ray winston get killed in that scene did he get shot <laughs> i don't know i can't remember yeah, all the other something? asshole cops got shot because they suck, even though they had the jump on the guys. <laughs> they, and then they, they come out and they're like, all, all the guns are pointing at each other. And then randomly some asshole just shoots at the bad guys. And then yeah, no and one like, shoots after that. He's like, like, hold your fire. And it's like, dude, at that point, it's time to shoot. Like, they're <laughs> yeah. holding Uzis. You've already opened fire. You need to take them out because you're going to get lit up. <laughs> God damn it. It was so stupid. Yeah. And then they're standing right there in the entranceway, and no one can. Oh God! It's so yeah, they're standing. Yeah, they're not. They, even, oh, Jesus. Again, this the script's getting in its own way. I mean, this is more minor, but Ray Winston has a friggin' shotgun, and he shoots like <laughs> yeah. point blank at the chick's back and like misses her completely. <laughs> yeah, which is funny. Maybe that's a shout out to the first movie because I was amazed that the the two guys at the airport scene both miss Gary Busey with a shotgun. Well, when he's yeah, sneaking up on him. Well, the first guy has the drop on him, and he shoots way wide right. <laughs> well, I'll give, I'll make the excuse here. He had the drop on him, but then he cocked the shotgun, and Gary Busey moved and was turning. Oh, okay. So he's kind of like, you know, hurried the shot. Um, okay. But then, yeah, he blasts. The other one, back. the guy shoots like towards his feet, 
And uh, <laughs> it's like, how'd yeah, you no miss him? He's on the ground. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Um, um, the uh, only... I'm... I don't want to get super in the weeds on this. No, oh, but I two... do think it was... Yeah, no, you finish. <laughs> I do think it was super funny how long uh, John Utah hesitated to try the weed when uh, after the fight club scene. When uh, Bodhi offers him um, his joint and he like stares at it forever like he's crossing a super huge line. <laughs> oh, did I... Maybe I blacked out. I don't remember that at all. No. That's a weird... I wish I had seen that, though. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. This. I mean, I was in and out. This movie just... <sighs> like, right from the beginning, it's just moving at, like, a breakneck speed without... You, you don't have a chance to grasp onto anything. So it's like, who are these characters? Why are they doing this? What is happening? And, <laughs> and then to exacerbate all this, like, you know, pace that they're they've it's out of control they make sure to note twice in the movie and give you like a timeline that makes absolutely no sense yeah i like that they they uh they say you i mean he's been globe trotting with them Mm -hmm. uh they've done like five stunts that would take just in flight time alone yeah um it would probably take two weeks just to get there right so he's like uh you've been with them for two weeks you can get lost sometimes it's like two weeks (laughs) Guys are underground in the mafia for years. <laughs> that made me enraged. I wrote two weeks in big capital letters with a lot of exclamation points. It's like, why even say that line? <laughs> or why even say two weeks? Make it six weeks. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Um, two weeks? I did like that they... Um, Ray Ruthson was a real hypocrite because he, he... For some reason, they had surveillance on this like mountain cabin. <laughs> Um, yeah, where the fuck is that got, cabin? I don't know. It was on top of the Alps or something, and they have uh, photos inside the room that Johnny Utah's fucking the girl in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "So this is what you've been up to, huh? Sex with a lady?" And it's like, is that is that not allowed? Was that the deal breaker? Yeah, I <laughs> like, mean, you're not going to ask him if he has evidence. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's like when you're undercover, like you're undercover. Yeah, that's I James see. Bond. Ask Ray Winston from The Departed. Like, you do fucked <laughs> yeah. up stuff when you're undercover because you well, don't want to blow your well, cover. Yeah, ask Ray Winston from earlier in this movie when he banged a chick on the boat, apparently. He did? Captain Stabbing style. Yeah, he said, oh, I had a great party and a great piece of ass, but we learned nothing. Let's go. <laughs> Damn, yeah, I didn't even catch that either. This um, fucking movie. On, um, yeah, and also, where is that mountain house where he could leave at night go all the way to the dock <laughs> and then get back just by the time they're packing up to leave yeah they're like where have you been all morning like oh you know i yeah. travel you know three states away and came back he didn't even answer it either it's like no tension <laughs> at, at this scene uh fuck this movie so um i guess the question that this movie that the, these remakes bring to bear um is should remakes if you're doing a remake of a well-known movie mm-hmm should it be a young man's game in terms of the director and the main talent? Or should it be trusted to old hands? Like someone who can really, like, nail it. I mean, in a perfect world, it'd be given to someone who is going to treat it well and not just, like, use the brand as an excuse to, you know, make a shitty movie but still get money out of it. Because it's, oh, point break, I'll go see that. It's like, oh, wait, this movie actually has nothing to do with the original. It has almost no surfing in it. I know, dude. I was, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm going to go back. 
this movie lost me right off the bat because it's like, hey, let's make a surfing movie, but then we're start off with fucking dirt bikes. Dude, the when they're the opening far scene where they're showing from the ocean, <laughs> when they're showing the desert, like the helicopter shot of the desert, I was thinking, I was like, this had better be a really long studio logo. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> um. Yeah, but because, okay, so for instance, uh, Cape, I don't know how much the original Cape Fear was well known. Really long time, though. I felt like that's a movie that was old. I mean, it's like a black and white. True. So you remake it, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Nick Nolte, you know. True. Solid film. Um, but then you look at, I, I feel like most remakes they do now, if you want to do like a reboot or something, like the recent uh, Jungle Book. They did a live action one, and it's John Favreau. He's going to do the same thing with, um, I think the, the Lion King, maybe. Yeah, they're going to do a Lion King. Donald yeah. Glover's going to be in it somehow. Oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is that what they should do? With hey, we're making a Point Break remake. It's like good. I want to see the biggest stars that I know that could play these roles: the Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves of this era, and I want to see, um, you know, a great action director. Um, maybe the guy who did who did, did the the uh, the cranked movies or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I think maybe. I mean, the problem is, I don't know, like who they offered these roles to. Apparently, um, they offered the Bodie, the new Bodie role to Gerard, Gerard Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Negotiations fell through, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think um, they also wanted to get um Tom Hardy. Ooh, that'd be good. That would have been good. Yeah, that would have been. I mean, the cast but, was not going to save this movie. No, yeah, exactly. It, it, the problem is not with the cast. I and don't even think the screenplay the... was not going to save the movie. I mean, the screenplay mm-hmm. had to be different. Even the director, a different director would have. I feel like the director was probably a good choice for what they had on paper. I mean, I think it it falls on the screenplay because I mean they. Yeah. I I don't really mind that they were trying to make it so different from the original, mm-hmm. even though. Watching the original, and you know, usually you watch a classic movie, you're like, "Oh, they should never remake this. Like, it's perfect in its time." I watched the original, and I was like, "I could see why someone would want to remake this, and I could see it being good." Mostly because if you just get a good actor in the main lead role, (laughs) it's a stellar movie. Well, I mean, that's also basically what uh, the Fast and the Furious is, which is not a great movie, but it's. I mean, if you're like 17, it's a great movie. But, I mean, it's a movie that carries over the same, uh, like, overarching ideals of just making, like, a fun heist action movie. Yeah, it is It is to to the kids who saw that movie. and that, I mean, I was the right age, I guess, to see it. I think I was probably about 20 or something. Um, it was probably what Point Break was to people who saw it, you know, at that time. It's yeah. like a movie to, to check out in theaters because it looked cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I mean, I think that's the way to do it. You either... Make like a spiritual sequel, like a, you know, Fast and Furious could be, or you just, you just don't, you try to, you rein it in a little bit. <laughs> Cause I think the problem is they don't rein these in. They just give it to a, a, a young guy. How, what was the budget on this friggin' movie? Well, another, another, uh, another example though, Zack Snyder, Dawn of the Dead, still maybe his best movie. And it was his first, True. uh, directing job True. of a, of a feature film. So I, yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like 
I mean, those... it's weird because it seems like the 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 guys who have proven themselves with at least one film are now there's a whole new um, instead of remakes. You know, it's funny that people still complain about remakes because now the new beast is the reboots or the you know what do you call it where it's like a not a sequel and not a reboot, kind of uh... like The Force Awakens. Oh well, I mean that's I mean that's a sequel kind of right? Or it's a offshoot. sequel, but it's also kind of a reboot. Well, um, I think you it's mean... also kind of a remake. You're, you're talking about Rogue One. No, no, no. I'm talking a Force Awakens or the Force Awakens was basically a remake of the first Star Wars movie, but as a sequel uh, and yeah. also rebooting the franchise. So yeah. I don't know what you call those, but that's kind of where you now you put your talent. So you've got you know your what the hell J.J. Abrams had proved himself rebooting. You know, it's funny. I read about that guy's career, and it's really kind of sad because he. He's basically only ever done reboots. <laughs> Who? J.J. Abrams. Um, oh. In terms of films, he did. Um, he came off of Lost and whatever that fucking TV show was, the other one. Um, and then he did. Uh, he did the Mission Impossible three. So kind of kind of rebooted that franchise in a mm. sequel. He did the Star Trek reboot. Uh, and then he did. He had his own opportunity to make a movie. Kind of ever the only. Anything he wanted, you know, he was golden, <laughs> yeah. and he made essentially just remade E.T. Uh, Super Eight, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's, as of yet, he's not done like an original film. Even the next, the second Star Trek movie was like based on a Wrath of Khan, right? So anyway, that's a kind of a side tangent, but I don't know. I think it's interesting to think about it. I think I can't tell if I think it's a good idea. Hey, we've got this. It's just kind of a project. We're wanting to remake this movie. Here's a young guy who hasn't proven himself yet. You know, we'll give him the directing job. Here are some young actors. You know, they've got kind of, a, I don't know. Is that fair to them that you have to live up to this previous role? Well, I mean, what? Oh, as far as the actors go? Yeah. I mean, it's probably hardest on the actors just because that's who the you know, everyday audience is going to point to. as like, man, look at this shitty guy. Um, yeah, he ruined this movie. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's just, it's like a, the studios, they're taking like, they're taking, they're trying to take a risk, but they're not really investing as much as they could into it, it seems. It's like, we're going to make this movie, Point Break, if it if it catches and we get to make a few of them, awesome. We'll make all that money. But if not, like, who gives a shit? We're not going to really, like, ruin anyone's career with this. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe. So you think that's better? That I mean, I would imagine that if you were in this movie, maybe that doesn't. I don't know. Do you no, think I don't think it's better. No, no. I think oh, okay. you you take risks, and when they hit, then they hit, and they're great. Well, what I'm saying is, isn't it more of a risk to cast an unknown? I think that's taking the easy way out because it's like we're going to make this movie $100 million. We know we're going to make it in 3D, in real D, 3D. It's going to make the money back at least, you know, overseas. I mean, you know, made, I guess, $30 million, I guess, I mean, it, it, considered a But it's definitely bad. less of a risk if you have an established name in it. But then it requires like more money. Uh, well, that's true. You know, one thing, Um, what's his name? Uh, Mark Kermode, that the British movie uh critic he had this rule or this law or whatever where he said that the the way to 
you know, as perfect as you can get for a movie in terms of you just want to make your money back is it can't be, what is it? It can't be like a comedy. If you get a, um, I'll have to look it up. We'll do it on the next one where I'll actually read what it is. But it's basically the idea is if you have an A-list star, if you have, you, you put the budget on the screen. So, you know, it's a big budget. You have to spend a ton of money. So you spend like over $200 million, mm -hmm. but it shows on the screen, you know, big effects, big set pieces, big action. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've got an A-list star, then you basically will never lose your money. And I think by and large that fits. And so when you, you mentioned like the big, the biggest uh, bombs of all time, like John Carter, huge budget movie, a lot of effects on screen. The if the star was not Taylor, whatever the hell the guy is, Kitch. If that was you know someone who people knew, then Mel that Gibson. movie would have made its money back. Yeah, Mel Gibson exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm honestly surprised that this movie only cost hundred million, um, just because all the friggin' set pieces all over the world. But well, because there was also a lot of practical stuff. It looked like they actually did, like they were doing the things that they were showing, which I kind of liked. I I always liked that about the old James Bond cold opens. They always tried to do some kind of new stunt, like shoehorned into the movie. Yeah. And weirdly, though, I feel like they didn't highlight that enough somehow. Like the Yeah, well, it wasn't well done. No. Well, yeah, the thing is, because you can't just have guys like, you know, uh, glides. What do you call it? Sugar wing, gliding down, wing sport wing gliding. I said the right word. You can't just ago. wing suit. <laughs> yeah, you said it. You can't just have. Yeah, but is that the action? Your wing suiting wing down? suit flying sequence, or wing okay. suiting. Okay, so you on. can't just have guys wing suit down the mountain. They have to be a chase scene where the wing suit. You know, they have to be doing something. Um, you know, a fight as they're wing suiting. You know, something. You can't just have them do the sport. That's not interesting. <laughs> And you you know can't what? just show guys surfing and not doing anything. That's not <laughs> it. You have to have like some character thing is happening or some action thing is happening. Also, something that maybe it's just nostalgia, but like I feel like in older movies when they had an action scene, in just like kind of a practical sense, they would almost like have a a really pulled back shot of it happening, so you can kind of get more of an idea for like oh like this guy's. You know, actually climbing that mountain. I'm just thinking of like the Cliffs of Insanity and Princess Bride. <laughs> I know uh, yeah, scene was I mean, they was did, playing did, a little Didn't they do but... that in this one? I felt like the shots were well chosen. I thought it was I, like, the one mostly thing... closer, like medium no, shots. They... Yeah, I guess not super long shots. I wanted but super long shots. I feel like they had a really a lot of really good shots, especially the one that impressed me was when uh, what's his name Utah gets pulled under the wave. And I was like, the shots of him getting pulled under are something that I feel like would be really difficult to capture. Yeah. Yeah, those look pretty cool. So I was kind of impressed with that. I will say, though, that every one of the uh, those sequences, I thought about it and I was like, I feel like sequences are probably super duper hard to nail, but super duper easy to just cheese it. Because <laughs> for all intents and purposes, it's just a bunch of disconnected shots of people snowboarding until this, one final shot that shows them coming to a stop yeah this whole movie was just like a friggin' like a youtube montage because there's never a sense of like are they closer to the bottom of the mountain are they <laughs> yeah that's why you need the pullout shot <laughs> yeah i guess i'm telling you just keep just keep going back to a, a full shot of the entire mountain and then you can keep seeing how much further <laughs> down it they are 
Yeah, like have a little like legend on the side that has like the zoomed in shot, and then you're all the way out though. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> I know so how to make I guess that. So what's your answer to the question? Should uh, it be old hands or young man? Should should it be a shot for young people to prove themselves, or should it be uh, the movie should be respected to the point that you're going to make sure it's done correctly? I mean, I don't mind it being given to young people. It. It seems like maybe it's not giving being given to the right young people. <laughs> like I like think, you said, this Kurt Wimmer guy just seems kind of like a hired goon. Yeah, he's been around forever. So yeah, I think that. So who's the young guy I, here then? Eric. Well, uh, Erickson Core had only done Invincible, I think, in terms of movies, and then I don't know that Luke Bracey's been in anything. I mean, Eric Core's been a cinematographer since '97. Yeah, he's been, but I'm saying in terms of his, you know. What I'm saying is, should you allow the movie to be, it's a remake, so we're going to allow it to be something that, you know, someone practices on, essentially. Or should we say, sorry, the movie, we want to make sure it's super good, so we're going to give it to someone who is super good. I would say, give it to someone who is a director. <laughs> <laughs> but, Not, uh, like, right, but, out, of, right but, out of school director? I mean, like, like we were talking about with, uh, you know, Get Out and Jordan Peele. That was his directorial debut. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that was his own passion project, but yes, yeah, so that is not even relevant at all. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, he's going to now be a director, or he wants to be a director. Like, I mean, this, yeah. I don't know. This guy's a cinematographer, music video director. It kind of seems like. Well, I'm not saying should people who aren't directors be allowed to direct a movie. I'm just saying, you know, if you're I'm making a studio decision, sucks. Okay, question's bad. Let's move on. Uh, what's your uh, companion piece for Point Break? Uh, well, I think you kind of, maybe it's yours too, but uh, I guess Fast and Furious is the the real spiritual sequel here. Yeah, that's probably the, the uh, I think that's the obvious one. I think you could watch these and, and you'd, my, I actually picked a different one, uh, specifically because it was also a, a 90s movie, a heist movie. I picked Heat. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, it's also a movie that you have, um, some amount of sympathy for both sides of the law. You see it from both sides. Um, and I think that's something that also Point Break has. You've seen Heat? Yes, I've seen Heat. Heat's oh. a very good movie. I have not seen Heat. Heat ha- you know what also connects them? We were talking about things that connect these movies. Uh-huh. Um, this movie has Anthony Kiedis in it, and Heat has uh, Henry Rollins in a bit part. Oh. Well, there you go. So they were both in Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> 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 right? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the connection. Um, who is the hardest man? Uh, Either movie. I mean, I think it's got to be Swayze. Swayze? That body's hard. <laughs> Makes me hard. I, uh, <laughs> um, I, I really wanted to give it to um, uh, John C. McGinley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he is he is a pretty hard prick, but I actually gave it to Gary Busey because he fucking cold cocked him. That's true. Yeah, you can't be a hard man if you get cold cocked by another man. Yeah, exactly. So, so you, you, you just passed on your right as a hard man to the whoever punched you. <laughs> yeah. Also, he, he's freaking on a sting, waiting for people to show up to the bank, and he's reading Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> I did love the Calvin and Hobbes shout out. Yeah. yeah. Specifically uh, asking his partner to leave the car and get him subs and then still not paying attention. Uh, 
Yeah, I like I do like the hard men who don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about their job. I do think especially. That, that's my favorite uh, attribute of the hard men. I think. Um, so I think that's all we got. So listener, if you've got any answer to that question or uh, the companion piece or a difference of opinion on the hardest man, write to us at hardmentopleas at gmail.com or send it to us on Twitter at hardmentopleas. Uh, Ethan, do we have any corrections, omissions, or fuck yous? No, it's been way too long since the last pod, so I don't remember. Oh. Well, we got one fuck you, and that's to uh, Ethan for hesitating on watching these goddamn movies. Wait until the last second. What? what, uh, What's the problem with that? Because it makes it harder to plan the podcast. Yeah, well. Who gives a shit? Alright, well that's all we got Uh, So, subscribe and rate on iTunes and Stitcher Show up next time And uh, we love you, listener Love you, Hank 10